Thank you, Lucy. Creation has indeed been frustrated. Good morning to you, church family. For those who do not know me, my name is Emmanuel Bakey, and the curate here at Christ Church, Subbiting Hill. In the beginning, God's creative work brought order into the world of living creatures. Everything was assigned a place and a, and a function. As authorized representatives of God, Adam and Eve were given rule over the rest of creation. But the sad news was that their sin led to the breakdown of order. What was good creation was corrupted. And what was regarded as very good creation was broken. Let us pray. Lord, speak to us through your word. And please renew our hope in your unfailing love. Amen. The present sufferings prepares us for future glory. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. Verse 20. In Genesis chapter 20, in Genesis chapter 3 rather, we see the threefold curse imposed by God after Adam and Eve had sinned. The Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock. Man will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. And to Adam, he said to him, Cursed is the ground because of you. The way we dominate and misuse creation further subjects it to bondage, to decay. The abuse and exploitative activity of humanity is worsening the situation. As a gardener, man is to enable creation to flourish. He is to tend, not destroy it. As servants, we are to support the life-generating, life-preserving and sustaining created order so that it can express its full potential. As a result of the fall, however, the moral order in creation has been breached with the resultant effect of broken relationships among us, in families, among friends, in congregations, in communities, 
tension in, among nations. Wars have been fought and are being fought. Between man and creation, tension exists. Between God and man, of course, disharmony. As a result of the curse, the earth produces thistles and thorns, which obviously is undesirable. Work, which is hard, yields little. And global calamities associated with climate change abound. Whether it's volcano today, or flood, or drought, or hurricanes, typhoon, earthquakes, tsunamis, there is so much suffering, sickness, death from various causes including, of course, the pandemic, which we are just about to come out of. Painful labor in childbirth, which our mothers go through, is compared to the state of our world. The whole creation is groaning in pains of childbirth, expectant of the outcome which is yet to arrive. It is obvious that the decay in humanity is reflected in creation also. And both are yearning for renewal. Make no mistake, the hope for renewal comes only through Christ. Jesus is the perfect ruler. We cannot heal the earth. The world cannot heal itself because God has subjected it to degradation. We all need to be rescued from sin which has enslaved the earth. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 22, for as in Adam, all die, so in Christ, all will be made alive. The promise of string of the woman who will come to crush the serpent head is fulfilled in Christ. The word made flesh, and in him, God affirms and fulfills the original creation. Please note this point. At his first coming, Christ does not overturn the created order, nor introduce a completely new world. God reveals himself as the original human model, true Christ. In the incarnation, death, and resurrection of Christ, creation is both reestablished and fulfilled. But how can a sinful man, which we have all become, be a good steward 
of creation. Please give me your attention because this is important. We really discover life when we trust Christ for forgiveness. And new life is given to us. We cannot save ourselves. Neither can we save the earth. But in Christ, we are saved. And we receive a new way to love. The way of self-giving. In him, therefore, we can become kind-hearted stewards. And permit me at this point to invite you there, brothers and sisters, and those who are not here as well, to open up, receive this new life in Christ, who himself experienced pain and suffering in his humanity. He died for the sin of the world. That is your sin and mine. And through that, we are brought into a loving relationship with the Father who renews us. Our liberation from bondage to sin is the same hope of creation. If we want to care for this creation as a mark of our discipleship, we must start by giving ourselves first to God and allowing His Spirit to feel us. The, the Spirit helps us in our weakness and prays for us in accordance with the will of God. The Spirit enables us to become faithful stewards of creation. He leads us in the choices we make to limit the rot and damage to the environment, helping us to contribute to making the world safer and better for us and for generations to come after us. But what are the practical measures we should adopt or consider adopting as Christ follows? The first thing, I think, is to become eco-conscious. And this can spill over to what we do at home or in the workplace. At home, we may need to prayerfully review the source of the energy we use. Is it clean, renewable energy? And, or do we, on the basis of our assessment, need to switch to something else? Think also about using energy-saving appliances and consider recycling your domestic waste and using eco-friendly cleaning products, refillable cartridges, reusable utensils, and shopping bags. Wherever possible, consider also reducing your carbon footprint by using means of transportation with the least carbon emission. Delight yourself in creation. Go for works. Enjoy gardening. 
And those of you who care for animals, persevere in doing that. If you're thinking of relaying your garden, consider planting natural grass rather than using artificial material like AstroTurf. In the workplace, speak to people about the need for recycling. Avoid printing documents except they are absolutely necessary. And in the communities we have recycling centers, make the best of it. Recycle books, shoes, clothes. And don't forget this next point, which is important as well. Pray for our leaders to make wise choices. For those of you who are politically inclined, make representations to government to influence policy. Please do not let what I am suggesting come across as additional burden to you, but rather receive it in good faith as an opportunity to partner with God in his redeeming activity. Our role is important, but the best is yet to come. One day, and I say again, one day, God will reform and reshape creation, redeeming it back to himself. The word hope occurs six times in the passage that has just been read to us. And it refers to the hope of our redemption. That is to say, hope for when God's children and creation as a whole are liberated. The agony at the cross did not stop God's purpose, but pointed to hope, to longing, and expectation for the future when we shall enter the best prepared for us. Let me remind you, brothers and sisters, we are in transit in the world. The resurrection points towards the future of humanity and creation. It looks forward to future transformation of the world. In the future, humanity will regain its rightful place of rule over the created order so that the original plan of God for humanity's role as a blessing will be fulfilled. The Lord who subjected the world to degradation, he alone has foreknown and predestined us in his love and has called us and declared us righteous through faith in Christ. At the fullness of time, we will be fully transformed into the image of Christ in whom we will be glorified. Verse 30. This is the best 
the redeemed in Christ have longed for and patiently prayed, your kingdom come. And that will be the establishment of the glorious kingdom and the end of evil and the defeat of death. As we conclude, there are two high points that I want to point out in the creation story in Genesis. Humankind on one hand and the Sabbath on the other. The creation of human beings in his image crowns the work, but the Sabbath was a supreme goal. The existence of the Sabbath keeps human beings from becoming totally absorbed in the task of subduing the earth. It reminds them that they will fulfill their humanity, not finally in their work of transforming the earth, but in the delight they take in their relationship with God himself. That applies to you, brothers and sisters. We are going to pray now, and I hope you can join us in praying that our delight will continually be in God and that his spirit will fill us and help us to be faithful stewards of creation. Will you? Let us pray.